All right, what's going on, Disrupt Nation? Thank you so much for joining us again here on the Super Creators Podcast. I am your host, Super Manny, and today I'm totally, totally excited with the guest that we have on board. Um, he's been one of my biggest inspirations when it comes to photography and just as being in the creative field, he's one of the people that is, I would say, leading the industry and really being a voice for the creatives out there so that they can uh, do the work that they love and then also make a living out of it. So I want to introduce to you and give you a quick bio to our guest. A um, little bit of backstory. He is widely regarded as the father of non-Photoshop levitation photography has become one of the most influential footwear and commercial photographers in the world. In 2013, he began the We Levitate movement, which you've definitely heard of, um, a global community of aspiring levitation photographers and content creators that regularly collaborate with World of Dance and other notable brands. Also, working as a brand strategist, he has contributed to the success of global campaigns launched by a number of high-profile fashion companies, including Nike, Converse, Swatch and Puma and his photographs have appeared on billboards in Times Square and have been auctioned at the Guggenheim Museum and published in magazines internationally. So I am excited to introduce you Eric Hercules. What's up brother? Thank you so much for bringing me out here. Thank you so much for everybody that's listening. Um, I can't wait to chop it up with you man. Yeah uh, man. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> yeah no no for sure. Let's so get it. Um, you know I was mentioning before like you know, even when I when I hit you up for the for the podcast, I saw that you were you know posting about um, creatives who should understand the industry and kind of not work for free, but understand that these companies, you know, have a budget. So when I saw that, I was like, man, this guy's like one of the few that's really, you know, reaching out to the creative community and helping out. So when I saw that you posted that, I was like, man, we got to get this on the podcast. Like we have to, you know, spread this message because I know that there's a lot of people, especially now in 2019, like really ready to just like crush it, you know, in all levels of photography and like really, as you were mentioning earlier, just define who they are as a, as a creative. So, I mean, one thing that I want to let everybody understand is uh, like, what's your backstory? How did you get into the creative field? Like, you know, let everybody know who Eric Hercules yeah, man, is. I appreciate it. Super quick, super funny. I, I sang opera for about like 20 years, man. Um, and I, I stopped at the age of 20 professionally and I, I kind of shifted my gears and I realized that photography was for me. I started this t-shirt brand with uh, my best friend, Izzy, uh, called Hercules N uh, NYC, Hercules New York. Okay. And I had to buy like, a cheap like Nikon D80 camera to shoot it. And then I shot the campaign and I was like, you know, like this fashion thing might not be for me, uh, but this photography thing is cool. And at that time I was lucky enough to start photography um, a little bit earlier before Instagram really became a thing, Instagram photography. Um, and then that's how I entered the Instagram circle of like photographers at the time. Uh, it was just very, it was like 20 of us, I think, in our first meet. And, you know, some of those were like Hamza and First and uh, Costin and a bunch of other like players who have really like yeah. paved the way for themselves, photography speaking. Uh, but back in the day, we were just shooting iPhone only, Visco cam, you know, teaching each other the tricks, um, you know, doing a lot of puddle grams. That was the main thing that I was known for way back in the day. Uh, but then, you know, through evolution, I realized that if I want to make a living out of this, I had to think more, uh, not only businessy, but also make it marketable. Because shooting images for you know, of, of cityscapes 
can only garner so much attention. That can only be so artistic. That can only be so marketable. You know, websites will buy that, but like, will re people really invest in that? Or would that really be something that you would be known for? And so I really wanted to find a niche, and that's how I found like levitation photography, and I kind of translated that into commercial photography, and then, you know, that's how I kind of got got my way in. Uh, but yeah, man, that's like the that's like the ninth, that's like the short bio. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, for sure. And I remember all the the photograms. Every time I used to see that, I'm just like, man, these dudes are killing it out in New York. Yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, no, no, and that was is, and like I mentioned, you know, I think I started. I'm going to say roughly 2015, you know, with like photography and everything. So right at that point already, Instagram had like two years. It was already like a community mm -hmm. was building. Um, so yeah, no, no. So I would see everybody who was like, you know, basically like killing it and crushing it. And I'm just like, when I saw that, that was honestly my inspiration to be like, this can be really whatever I envision it to be. Like the camera is just yeah. a tool and I can, like whatever comes out of it, that it all depends on me. So I saw it as like a full on way to express myself. I think that that's, that was like the gate. I think Instagram or just the internet overall was a gateway to us opening up our inspiration, being able to realize our capabilities, not only as, as creatives, but also as, you know, we've learned through all this Instagram growth that we're not only capable of being good creatives, but also being good businessmen, being our own entrepreneurs, being our own marketing people, our own PR, our own networkers. Uh, our own assistants, our own invoice people, you know, as accountants. And so you realize that, you realize that, you know, once you open this little Pandora box, a lot of it came from that, you know, and, and, and it's nice to see everybody just kind of grow along together in that journey. Yeah. Although, like, there's a lot of volume now, a lot of competition, but that's, I guess that's what makes the, the game fun. You know, you always have to find different ways of putting yourself on top and looking out for yourself and just growing as a creative so you're able to be, you know, um, do something great <laughs> yeah, no no for sure and the issue is i think the, the competition is always something that drives me because i always see it as like friendly competition so i try to like whenever i get into anything whether it, you know and it's funny that you even you started working with world of dance because i grew up break dancing so oh. you know world of dance is like it's right there so like every time i see it and i'm like no way he turned up a world of dance i was like <laughs> it was like it was like the perfect mashup um really really funny man i mean they hit, they hit my my you know one of my my best friends like matthew forget uh who became part of we levitate and he's a dancer but oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and when we spoke they kind of had the same vision for what i had to photography because my my vision is i mean if i did it so can you i want everybody who i see as creatives be able to work with these big brands i think that there's enough money for everybody uh i think there's enough business for everybody everybody's always going to want new photos you know, and I think that that's why they also want for a world of dance and the, and the dancing capabilities. They want to bring able, be able to educate and empower all the dancers out there who are, you know, just about to make it or just in the streets, just like learning new moves and like coming up with new dances. And I think that that's, that's something that we've learned as a community is like, how do we empower each other? And I think that yes. we're bigger in numbers. Uh, and I feel like if we're able to, to create something cool together, why not? And so when we happened to cross paths with World of Dance. Like there was nothing but realness in, in, in the talk. You know, they wanted to yeah. build, we wanted to build. And so we just created, you know, the We Levitate World of Dance collaboration. Dope. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. And one thing that you did say that I want to kind of like um, talk a little bit upon is, uh, is really growing together, right? Because I see us creatives as like a community. And like you mentioned, there's definitely enough business out there for everybody. 
Like, there's no reason for there to be any, like, oh, this is what I do. This is my gig. I can't share any information. I can't connect you with anybody. Because it's like, if you think that somebody else is going to take your business and you're doing something wrong, like, you know, <laughs> you're not confident in yourself in some way. <laughs> that's, what it is. that's a, that's a lack of self-esteem, man. Yeah. That, that means that you're not fully aware of like your market value or you're just like, Oh man, like I'm lucky I made it this far. Then, yeah. you know, never really considered all my steps lucky. Although I, you know, some of that, some of that had to do with luck, but also it's all about the hard work that you put in before you get there. And if, if you look around and there's nobody com- in competition with you that, that you did something right. Yeah. You know, like when you look around and like everybody's doing the same thing, you need to ask yourself, how are you, um, how are you, um, you know, what do you need to do in order for you to like stand out? You know, yeah. that's, that's the whole thing about market now. No, no, definitely. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. Like I've been kind of reaching out cause I'm natively from New Jersey. So like, mm-hmm. you know, growing up there, I've never felt myself as like a New Yorker, even though it was so close. But mm-hmm. every time I compare the scenes, I'm like, okay, New Yorkers, like at least in the creative space, they'll have these meetups, they'll set up these, you know, these venues, these pop-up workshop, these things, and they'll continue to keep it flowing. But then when I look at New Jersey, I'm like, I know there's a bunch of creatives and, but nobody's like really doing anything to grow the community. And it's like, you know, it happens in in Manhattan, all this stuff, you know, but like, you know, what the beautiful thing about in our generation now is that we're living in a, such a uh, decentralized world and everything is online. So I think that the communities are, are, you know, through these podcasts or through the talks or through just community building, just generally speaking, like we've been able to create something um, that you don't need to be part of physically, but you can be part of it, you know, like through your emails and through conversations and through being part of a movement online, um, you know, which is super strong. And I know a couple of friends like Sonic uh, from Pursuit of Portraits, he like took a trip from I think it was like 30, 40 countries last year. Yeah. Um, and it was so dope to see his community that he fully built just offline, just Instagram alone, you know, and like just be able to see, he's telling me like amazing stories about people that he met in like Nepal, like India and like, you know, South America, people that he never expected, you know, he went to Africa and this country and he was like, oh, like, you know, not that many people are going to show up and 200 people showed up, bro. I and it's like that. looking at that kind of change and looking at that kind of power goes to show you like what you can really do. I feel like sometimes we through Instagram we're like, oh it's a picture or whatever, you know, it didn't do that well or whatever. But you don't really realize the empowerment that 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 picture holds or like that your whole message in the Instagram world holds. So I think that creators nowadays need to take um we take it for granted the fact the power that we have as communicators as people uh, that people look up to as leaders of our generation. And I think that it's important for not only to post you know, great images, but also to, to, to stand for something and to like really grow in that area for sure. You know, Long term as well as like, you know, for short term and like, just make everything beautiful, but at the same time, like stand for something, you know, what are we here to do in the day? No, no, for sure. And, and that's honestly, that's one of the things that like, that I resonate also not with just like your work, but a lot of different photographers, like I have to see them as like, you know, you as not just a creative, but you as a person, and like what you stand for, your like, you know, your message. So that's why, like, even the reason I started this podcast is because I always tell people like, we're more than just pixels and what our work, you know, and our Instagram handle. Like, we're people who are like living day to day. We have values, beliefs, dreams. So I feel like that's what really connects people together. Like, you know, it, like now this is the first time I actually I got a chance to technically meet you and speak with you. 
But now when I see your work, it's going to resonate so much more with me because now I know you as a person, you know? So that's like, you know, I think that's, that's basically like what the community needs is really people who have a voice through their work. And like you said, even like personal portraits, I remember when they started and it was like, and to see the growth, like you mentioned, I, I saw when they did like Kenya and then like Nepal and then like some other place. And I was just like, these meetups are amazing. Like, <laughs> you know, but these are countries like and the different gatherings. And I think that that's the power of us that we have the creative is unifying the global vision of like cultures and realizing that we're all, we all have something to bring to the table, regardless of skin color, regardless of uh, background, regardless of, you know, social status, like economic status, socioeconomical status. I think that there's a lot more that we need to take into account as creators. Yeah. It's more than, way more than pictures, way more than pictures. Yeah, no, exactly. I think even it's funny that you mentioned because I feel like a lot of times, even myself, I'll worry a lot about like the image quality or like, you know, what's the image. But sometimes when I ask people, I'll just be like, yo, did you think I took this with an iPhone or with a DSLR? And they're just like, I really don't care. And I'm like, man, it's true. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, you know, if, because if the message is there, if what they're looking at tells a story, it really doesn't matter what it was captured on. So I feel like that, you know, the message that any image holds is so, so, so powerful. And that's what needs to be like really used more than just like a dope image. I think that we're approaching an era where um, I think the creator holds more accountability than just their work. You know, like look at everything that's been happening in the celebrity world with like Michael Jackson and, and, and all those like really like being affected by repercussions of perhaps like things that might have not happened, but like also things that might have happened. You know, so I think that we're starting to bond both who the creator is as well as who they what their work is. So even if your work is amazing, but if you're a douchebag, you're not really going to get the clients or like get to work with communities that really respect your work, but mm-hmm. don't respect the person. You know, but the other way around, you might not be the best photographer in the world, but if you know what the client wants, if you're willing to work with what the client needs, and if you're willing to work within specific parameters that they give you, business aside, I'm, I'm speaking like you all should get paid, you know, you should still be able to, to uh, have a good conversation when it comes to that. You know, not just a douche, like I'm the best, I'm going to charge, you know, however amount of money, otherwise you can't talk to me. You know, it's more than just money. That's another thing that people need to understand. Like people got into this business for, for the, you know, the quick followers, the campaigns and the billboards, but they don't understand the work that comes behind it and, 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 and the slow work that comes behind it. You know, sometimes just to get a meeting with one client, you fucking, it takes six months for you to even set up, you know, like going through person to person cancellations, like not really interview until you really get them to sit down and understand your vision. Yeah, you know. no, no, for sure. And that's, <laughs> it's funny because you say that, like a lot of people get into it technically for like, I guess the quick money, or the quick fame, but all the practice that it takes to like, just understand your camera and then your editing style. And then like, you know, going yeah. to different like collaborative meets with models and things like that. Like it's, it's actually a lot of like hours before that like pivotal breaking point actually hits. Yeah, man. So it's, it's not <laughs> What we're used to seeing in Instagram is not really what reality is. And people normally, see, and, and normally the people that we see featured on Hypebeast, the highs in the variety is like the new photographers or like the new, like sometimes they did it, yes, through hard work, but a lot of the times it came from quick luck or just like hanging out with the right people. And it's okay too, but you need to understand that the percentage of you who are going to make it out there as successful photographers, just because you knew someone in, or just because you knew someone who worked at one of these big companies, 
are very slim. And even if you get the chance, it's easy getting in, but it's harder keeping yourself there. Yep. You know, I think that that's one of the biggest lessons over the last three years where I've seen the, the, the change in the market shift. It's been fucking brutal, brutal honesty speaking. Like it's been hard to keep yourself at that level where you are still doing the, you know, like decent amount of clients if you, if you don't have the business perspective of it or if yeah. you don't know how to treat yourself as a business uh, more than just course. And even that actually, that's, that's one of the things that, you know, I want to talk up a lot of is basically the business of creativity and even the business as let's just say, even just in the photography industry, like what do you think is one of the most important things to keep in mind or to understand when it comes to business as a creative? Cause I feel like a lot of people nowadays, they really, you know, like you said, they separate it. They see themselves as a creative, but they don't understand that they're also a business, you know, mm-hmm. and um i don't know if you ever seen the future with chris Dell. he's like mm-hmm. a, a designer but he's like there's a lot of a lot of like youtube uh like videos and like really goes into like the business of design wow. and one of the things that he says is like you have to understand that as a creative you're not a freelancer you are a business yeah so you have to go into any client you know meeting as a business not as a freelancer so right. like what would be your your tips on that like what have you learned couple of things that people need to learn and i think that a is brutal honesty with your work you need to look at yourself from a third eye perspective and be able to tell yourself like would that look good in a magazine would that look good in an album cover you know whatever whatever goal you have if it's to shoot for nike would that look good as a nike commercial you know if you want to shoot you know portraits would that look good in a vogue you know or or if i want to shoot cars would that look good in you know the car in the famous car magazine you need to look at yourself and kind of situate yourself on the scale of amateur to hella professional, hella professional being the top of the league in your specific niche. And you need to look at yourself and, and ask yourself, where am I in this category? Because once you find yourself in what category you are, you'll be able to determine your price range. And also you'll be able to determine uh, your value and also like the way you should market yourself. If you see that you're in an amateur perspective, that means that, A, you need to develop more portfolio work, you know, therefore you're going to be able to go out and find specific projects that help you aid in building a portfolio strong enough for you to be able to go out and get, get more sales, get more contracts, get more, you know, one-off gigs that are actually paid, um, you know, so it all, it all comes up to looking at your market and where you are situated in the market. Um, after that, second of all, obviously, like, know your, your, your market price. It's a little harder because no one really talks about pricing, and I think that some something needs to fucking give and like, i'm ready to i'm ready to like let go of pricing you know like not yeah. saying anything be able to speak about this because no one really knows what to charge i've heard some people charging you know like two thousand for a contract should be worth 20k i've heard people charging 30k for a contract should be worth 5k you know so it's just about like how do you see yourself and how you're able to present yourself sure. the, the third and last thing i think would be is how do you look at yourself as a business do you have an llc do you have an llc bank account do you have your business cards on point? Do you have your website on point? Do you have your presentation on point? Are your emails with a signature? These are little things that ultimately amount to your branding as a person, as a, as a professional person working with a client. You know, if you're all over the place, you barely answer emails, you know, like your website is whack, you haven't updated that in five years, it will tell and it can show. A lot of my clients that come from big, big companies, sometimes they've hit me not even through my email, they've hit me through my website email. You know, so that means they 
stalked the shit out of my website before they made that investment. So you need to be very aware that people are still looking in places that you think might not be, including LinkedIn. How is your LinkedIn situated? How is your Facebook? You know, are you a brand on both? Are you acting immature on both? Like, do you need to update your, your, your work portfolio? So there's a lot of things that are constant work as a freelancer, as your own business. You need to realize, realize that it's not you and a team that are putting oil in the, in the machine. Sometimes it's just you. You know, so you need to realize that you need to look at every single spectrum of your market in order for you to solidify yourself as a good business. For sure. No, and that's, man, thank you for that. Even I'm learning, I'm taking notes over here. <laughs> but no, no, and, and it's something that I've, I've seen and like had to understand because I feel like, you know, even, even though we think like our portfolio is on Instagram, but like, it's not really. Instagram is, is it is a place to connect, but it's not the place that's going to close the sale. Think, think about it this way, man. If you had twenty, if you had fifty thousand dollars and you're a business and you're about to do the next lookbook for a shoot, and I'm talking stri- stri- strictly commercial photography, right? That's my business. Like, are you just gonna invest that in a person whose images you've seen, like you know, probably thirty images or something, maybe sixty images, maybe the whole Instagram? But like, is that gonna equate to you investing the money in that person? You have to know who that person is. Therefore, you need to stalk them. You know, I don't know if you've ever even even with people that you get in meetings with. Sometimes you pre-stalk them on Google. You know, you Google them, you see what they do, you see who they are, you see like what their network is. You know, you see what pro- partnerships they've done before. Um, but when it comes to you know pr- propositions in which like the there's there's a there's a budget at stake just rest assured that they will do everything to stock everything that you have online you know so i always tell everybody to to look at themselves online as like their online portfolio and just clean that up and make it look as professional as possible and it's not even to be fake it's just to be you know real like who you are as a business it will tell a lot and if you're a whack businessman like it will show on your website it will show on your business cards it will show on your tag on your email email signature and, you know, it's just little things that can add up to a crazy amount of money. You know, I want to be able to charge an amount if I didn't represent myself as a big brand. Uh, the biggest thing that I tell uh, some people is look at yourself as the next Google. Look at yourself as the next Apple. Uh, but compare yourself to these big companies so you're able to kind of get that ethos and then incorporate that into your own and then create something valuable from there. For sure. Yeah, no, no, definitely. And that's, and it's important, like you mentioned, because sometimes, yeah, like we don't think about that. Like a company is really, they're going to invest 30K or 50K. So they need to know who, <laughs> who they're giving this money to, you know, like if they can, if this person is trustworthy, can he deliver? Has he done work before? Like, you know, is he reliable? How can I contact him if he disappears off the face of the earth? Like, there's all these things. So, and it's, and that go back to one thing that I always think about and it's, yes, your work has to be as best as you can make it. You know, you have to be like, and not just on the amateur level, but like pro level, but also you have to be a person that's likable. That is easy to be able to communicate with that people want to work with. Cause yeah. a lot of times, like you'll see that like companies will be like, oh, I want to work with this guy because he's super chill dope like you know we just resonate we talk about the same things and then it's just like even though his work might not be like the best quote unquote but they'll still work with you because they know who you are as a person yeah man the trust is there 
That's so, so real, man. I mean, there have been companies in which they become returning clients of mine simply because of the, the energy we have with one another. And sometimes we build together and then we look back and we're like, holy shit, like, remember when we first started, we grew together in this journey. And I think that that's another thing that I want to tell people. Like when you work with clients, it's not just a client. You're dealing with, at the end of the day, people need to realize you're, you're playing in the game of, 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 of people. Uh, this is a people game. You need to satisfy your clients. Clients at the end of the day are people. They go back to their families, you know, and they want, they have wants and they have needs just like yourself. So at the end of the day is more of an alignment of what your goals and what their goals are and like how can you build together. It's a win-win-win. I've always looked at situations from a win-win-win perspective because I think the long run is so much bigger than the short term. And that's a lot of things that people don't consider now in our social media world. They want to collab with everybody. You know, they want to get free shit from everybody. But what is beyond the free shit? What are the partnerships you can create that create a future for both the brand and yourself? How do you situate yourself in a position where you're able to get you know, a retainer, which is like the golden ticket as a freelancer, you have like a couple of retainers every month, you know you're gonna pay your bills. You know, so how do you, how do you situate yourself in a position where like you're real to yourself, you're real to your goals as a, as a creative, but you're also real to the goals of the companies you're working for and you're, and you're making sure that you deliver for them as well as they're delivering for you. And that's where the business communication transcends into something bigger. For sure. No, no, yeah, definitely. And that's just speaking on that, on like collaboration and like working it. Yeah. It's important to understand like, what is the goal at the end? Like, mm -hmm. you know, like you mentioned, because a lot of times I'll see people like they'll brush off a, a client job just because it's not the ideal, you know, paycheck that they were expecting or, or maybe the client wants them to, you know, to work for free. But if I feel like most of the greatest connections I made were because I was like, I love your brand. I love what you do. I would love to do a shoot for you. Let's talk. Let's connect. And from wow. there, it just, you know, yeah. it escalates. It's bigger. The beautiful thing about this, man, like there's so much competition right now that if you're just a bad people person it will affect you and it will affect the way you work and it will affect your long-term vision um and obviously a lot of people say like oh um this is a time for all the uh this is definitely not the time for the introverts you know because introverts like have a hard time communicating with like everybody but it's not just that i think it's a hard time for you to be fake yeah <laughs> and, and <laughs> And that's, it's beautiful, bro, because, like, I've kept it real all my life. I've obviously had, like, big ups, but also big downs. And at the end of the day, I've realized that the realness prevails. And so the beautiful thing about now is that people are so selective because you have so many people to choose from that everybody wants to work with people they like now. And if you see it, it's transcended to fashion. You know, Virgil at, at Louis Vuitton, like, before, he wouldn't have even been able to step up, uh, you know, in such big plate because of the whole corporal corporate political BS, you know, who he is and where he came from. And I think that now that we're breaking this barrier, we're breaking the barrier along with, with a, a, a truthfulness that comes behind that. Like, who are you really as a creator more just to your fucking pictures? You know, everybody can take a fucking picture. Like, if I teach people how to levitate in a certain way, I'm pretty sure everybody will be able to do the same thing. But it's just like, what does it mean? What does it mean to you? What is the long-term vision that you have for your art? You know, and I think that it transcends that. And it's beautiful, man. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy times we're living in. But I think it's, it's beautiful in the fact that, like, if you work really hard, you're able to create real relationships that ultimately, you know, impact your work and impact, like, I think your network, generally speaking, you know. No, no, and definitely that's, uh, like, 
creators nowadays are actually becoming like the new superstars. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, one thing that I was talking to another friend was like, even when you think about like DJs nowadays, like now DJs have the track and they're featuring the artist. So it's right. like, it's, you know, it's, it's not Drake's song. It's whoever, Marshmallow song That's featuring hard. Drake, featuring Rihanna, you know, like, <laughs> so it's yeah. like, so even that type of artist, you know, artistry, even as being a DJ, like they became now the rock star where they're having their own concerts and people are going to like rock out to their, you know, their jams. But in the end, it's, it's the image, it's the full image that they have. Cause only so many people will resonate with a certain type of person. And the same thing with creatives, like, yes, your work can be great, you know, but if, like you said, if you're just like a douche, if you're just a bad person, if like, you don't know how to talk to people, if you think you're like all that, nobody's going to want to work with you. Cause they're just like, who is this guy? <laughs> you know, but maybe you're just, even if you're an introvert, you're just likable and people just like to be around you. And you know, they talk their heads off and you just listen, but they like, like you for that. <laughs> Like, you you can tell kind of sort of who people are based on their Instagram. And then once you see them in real person, sometimes you can confirm. All, sometimes it's super fake. Sometimes, like, you see people, like, you know, super posing in the gram. And it turns out they're the realest motherfuckers on real life, you know. But most of the time, you, you're able to tell. Um, and it transcends to your work, too. You can see when people are doing it for the likes. You can see when they go to concerts and shoot certain people just to get the, you know, the hype. I can read off that from a mile away. Mm-hmm. You know, you can read people that just repost stuff just to get the hype or just buy things to put on the gram so they can get the hype. And I think that, I mean, it's a short-term life. I hope they're having fun, but I don't think that that's a long-term way of, of looking at yourself as a business, you know? Yeah. No, no, and that, that's why one thing, like, even with myself, like, when I first started using, like, social media and things, like, I try to keep it as real as possible because, like, when people come to know me, like, I don't see myself, like, when I, when I judge my work, I judge it in a professional way. But when I approach people, I'm just, like, I'm just me. This is what I like doing, you know? <laughs> the, 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 the work speaks for itself. You know, that's, that's the one main goal that I think I had. Two, two, yeah, two years ago when I decided to change. 2016 was my first year freelancing full-time. Um, and like, I kind of, I'll tell you a little bit about my transition as a freelancer. I, I, I started freelancing full-time. 2016 was probably like the greatest year in terms of work. I, I crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's out of my to-do list uh, in, in my career that same year. And it was dope, but one thing I lacked was uh, I didn't know my LLCs. I didn't know how to save receipts, you know, and so like all that got me into a lot of trouble. And then I realized that I was starting to associate work with who I really was. And I realized that work and yourself have to be completely separated, even though you, your work belongs to you and you feel as creative. We tend to feel super close to our work that it's almost, you know, like if you were to like, you know, shit on my baby, it's like shitting on my, you know, like on my, on my photo, you're like dissing me. But yeah. then I realized, it needs to be very objective. And, and that's when I realized the longevity of, of a career in photography. When you look at yourself, okay, who, I am, who am I as a person, but also like what is my art for its sake, for the art itself? And then that's where you're going to separate that and you're going to be able to tell what the real value of that work is. Because sometimes people come in and try to charge so much, but then you look at their work and it's not really worth it. They can be the most amazing people in the world, but if their work is not really up to par with their value, they're not going to get that. You know, the, the other way around. Some people undersell themselves and where they could be getting a lot higher checks because they don't see the value in their work and they're perhaps a little too, you know, a little too shy, a little bit 
you know, not as proactive, a little bit like even intimidated by the market. So you need to be very aware. You need to be open to all these situations and kind of like think of it as a two-way street. Like, yes, I am a creative. Yes, this is my baby. But at the same time, the baby is a baby of its own and you are a person of its own. Yep. You, know, you need to look at it and be able to say, you know what, I will pay five, six K for that. You know what, I will pay that. And then it's going to help you kind of build the quality that you want, build the work ethic that you want and kind of like help you further your goal even further. You know, because you look at them as two separate entities. If you combine that and you think like, you know, me as an artist walking in, thinking I'm all that, eh, doesn't work. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> and you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt a lot. <laughs> you're going to get hurt, bro. Egos. Yeah, no. no, for sure. And as a creative, you always, I feel like in anything that we do, like we put our whole energy into it. So it's like, if somebody does critique it or whatever, it, yeah. you know, it messes with us. And like you said, it's like dissing me. But um, one thing that I, I forgot who mentioned it, but he's like, once you create work or put it out there, you automatically have to detach yourself from it. It's out there, it's done. It has nothing to do with you. And like you mentioned, like, you know, see it as like something third, par- third party and just judge it for what it is, you know, and it has nothing to do with you as a person. Um, yeah. That's another thing that I like to little t- touch upon a little bit more else, like, once you do work, a lot of people, like, one of my, one of my biggest things as an artist is that I think I'll never be happy with my work. I am unsatisfied AF right now. And, and I think that I'm not doing enough. I'm, I'm really like, I feel way behind. Um, but I think you need to look at your portfolio as it comes, as you do it, and then as it goes. And you need to understand that some things are meant to be in the past, some things are meant to be in this present, and some things are meant to be in the future. A lot of the times, we as artists hold ourselves back because we look at our portfolio in the back and it might already be good enough. And you'd be like, oh, I'm chilling. You know, I already did all these brands, but what else? So I think that, or the other way around, you might look at your portfolio and be like, you know what? I'm not doing, like, I don't think I'm good enough. You know, I think I'll never be able to get there. And that's where the doubt starts to happen. So I think that you, you, you need to be able to look at your artistry as a process as a, as a, as a, you know, for, for what you're currently created, not for what you created before, not what you're creating now or not what you create after, but it's, it needs to be in the now. You know, you need to look at yourself as like, what am I, what am I going to do today to make my art better for next time? You know, what, look at your, look at what you did before, study all that. You know, if it was cool, it was amazing. Great campaigns, great. If it was bad campaigns, you know, great. <laughs> Learn from the lessons. But at the end of the day, you need to move forward. A lot of people just keep talking about the campaigns they did six years ago, seven years ago, five years ago, the billboards and all that stuff. You know, to me, everything I did in January and February already done. What's next, bro? What's next? Yeah. And that's going to keep you thirsty, especially in this creative society where everything evolves so quickly. So it's always look at your present and always look at, you know, present with view in the future, but always stick to the present and create something now. Wow. That's talking about that, you know. No, for sure yeah and that's something that also like has helped me because i'm always someone who's like i'll never be satisfied just because like as soon as i go into something i'll first look at okay who's the best and then i'll do everything to get there and then i'm like okay so i did the best so then i have to beat the best and then if i beat the best then I have to hold, you know, my title. So like, you can't, you can never stay still, but that's what always like keeps me driving because if I feel ever complacent at any point, like I'm just going to stop creating, like you mentioned, and I never want to see that. So it's like, whatever I'm feeling now or like whatever 
ideas that I have, I try to just like, I put it out now and then maybe next week I'll be doing something completely different. Because yeah, the, the key is rolling the ball, you know, I mean, I'm in a situation now. I also do want to start a YouTube. I do want to start maybe a panel series or a talk series because I really want to be able to create as much value and begin the conversation. I think it's important and I'm glad that you're beginning this conversation through this podcast now. Um, yeah, but you know, it's one of those things that I'm like, oh man, I can't, I want to do it, but inside me there's fear and I'm like, I don't know if I can do it. Like all the production aspect of it, too much work. Do I have time? But at the end of the day, you need to look back and say like, listen, if I did it then I would have been at a much better level now as opposed to just starting right now. So, so the key is just starting as soon as you can. And I think that, you know, that will lead someplace wherever it leads, it'll be good. Whether it's bad, you learn from the lessons, whether it's good, you just learn from the joys. For sure. Yeah. No, and even actually I, I was talking to a friend the other day um, who we always like, you know, we're always competing and like <laughs> trying to one up each other. And I think like a good, a good year ago, we literally, we both sat down and we just, we just started recording and we're like, all right, this is the start of your podcast, the start of my podcast. Wow. And we just started talking and talking, talking. And then, but like months went by and like nothing happened. I was like, you know what? I think it's time for me to start. And literally, I think, when was my first episode? I'm going to say maybe December, perhaps. Like just, you know, just a few months back. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to start. I don't know how it's going to look, how it's going to work, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. You know, so even... That whole, like when I look back that whole year, I was like, man, if I would have started a year ago, where would I be now? Yeah, you know? But even seeing now, like the progress just, well, I think we're almost hitting like 10 episodes in and then I'm able to have you as a guest. So it's like, it's something that I never would have thought of a year ago or even when I started. But just to see that the impact, then I know it's like, this is the right step. Let me continue because, you know, wherever it leads, it's only going to be good. I agree, man. I agree. It's all, it's all a journey full of lessons, you know, and I think that you're, you're learning from what you're doing and like taking it all in as you build. You, know, you, don't, you don't know what this is going to be six months from now, a year from now, 10 years from now. So the, the key is now. But might as well just start it because, <laughs> right? You never know. If, if, if later you stop, but at least you tried. So every, really quick, one thing that you mentioned that I wanted to go up on because I know – we talked about like pricing and pricing as a creative and definitely one of the things that I'll speak on a personal level. I'll always, like, I always doubt my work. And when I go into a client, like I know I'm like, man, my work is worth so much more. But when I go in there and I start talking price, I'm like, Oh, well, I can't really throw out those numbers. <laughs> so like, and bro, I know. <laughs> a couple of things. So, I want, so my key today is, for everybody that listens is how to approach clients without necessarily being scared of, of, of your rate as well as like how to propose yourself in such a valuable way that you look at yourself like, you know, I'm actually worth a couple thousand more, but I'll just give it to you at you know this price. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a key is like the business stuff that we spoke about building yourself around a business, making sure that everything around you, uh, business-wise looks like a real business. You don't want to look like a freelancer that just came out of bed. You know, you want to look very well prepared. You want to look both from the email all the way to your website. It should be clean. I've always, I've always said this. Your, another thing is uh, I build a portfolio of work, uh, like a presentation deck that I sent to all my clients. I think that that's very important. Uh, that's going to show you also uh, your level if you look at your portfolio, you're like, eh, you know, I need some work. Look at the areas that need work and then focus on fixing those for the next couple of weeks. 
is going to help you clean up all the stuff that you saw negative and kind of renovate that with new stuff is going to help you leverage uh, your work to a higher value. All right. Um, and then once you have, you know, good work in your portfolio, once you have a good branding, now you're ready to pursue clients at the true value of your cost. What did you say? That's correct. So when you go to a meeting, let's say I just started photography. Let's say I have, all right, generally speaking, let's say I have two years worth of photography experience. I've done some like minor clients, like, you know, a lot of like free stuff, like maybe a lot of startup clients, like a low budget, maybe 200 or 500. I'm going for the thousands now, right? So I'm happy with my product photography. I've shot for a couple of watch companies. I'm just making this up, right? Let's say like I'm just starting. I just shot for like a couple of watch companies, including Daniel Wellington. <laughs> uh, like all these like free ones, you know, like a couple of ring companies, maybe a couple of t-shirt companies or, or clothing companies. So you have a portfolio to go. When you approach your first client um, at the $1,000 range or something, you need to A, look at what their value in the market is are they startups are they medium companies are they medium high are they nikes are they you know so you need to that will give you a scope of like a what your deliverables would be b like what um what your value i mean what they'll offer you be um you know you can't ask fifty thousand dollars from a startup you know and 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 see like kind of like you will be able to see what they're already doing and kind of be able to find how you can position yourself within that market. So for example, I'm a fast photographer, shoot levitation, a lot of like dancers and all that. So I'm good for movement photography. That makes me good for sports photography. That makes me good for the, the for the Pumas and the Nikes and the, and the Adidas, right? So I will go there and I'll say, listen, I got this technique. I've got all this. I'll show them my portfolio. And then I'll mention a price that is in accordance to what their budget usually is, right? Now, when you look at startups, you know, their budget generally ranges from like, probably say anywhere from 500 on the low, low, low end, all the way to even 5,000, uh, not even more, maybe some have 10,000. But generally speaking, if you're working with startups, anywhere from, I would say 500 is too low, man. Like that's, but like from there all the way to like, you know, five grand, you should be good. But you need to look at a, as I said, their market share. What are they really doing? Do they really have the budget? If they're selling, you know, little, I don't know. If, if they're selling T-shirts, you know, they're not going to afford five thousand. But if they're selling, you know, high-end like watches, you know that their budget might be a little different. You know, their prices are like a thousand dollars each or something. Like they they should be able to pay five grand, six grand for a shoe. When you walk into there, you have to confidently know your price let's say i walk in there saying that my price is 2500 and that's going to be it when i talk to the client i will this is like a rule of thumb that i think i've always used and is like a key you should always mention more than what they're going to pay you so if i come in and say my budget is 2500 i'll be happy with 2500 i will say generally speaking anyway from 3500 to 4k because even if they decrease that number, I'll still be at a higher value than when I officially began. And if I were to really, really, really lowball them, I will still get 2,500 bucks. You know, I'll be like, 2,500 bucks is almost half. Like, chill, I can't do anything else than that. You've seen my portfolio. Portfolio is going to be able to back you up because you're going to be able to have a lot of content that showcases the quality of your work. You know, be, um, you know, you're going to be looked at as a business, not a freelancer, not someone who like doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Your website's going to be like, everything is going to be in correlation to what you're asking. So all of a sudden you're asking for a standard rate because you're a standard photographer. There is no issue in that, 
you know, so the, so, so yeah, so I think that that would be it. Start, you know, with a base number, add probably 20, 30% on top of that, uh, maybe even 40% or maybe even 50%, whatever the number converges to. Um, and then even if you were to price it down based on after conversations, like you'll still be able to land in a number that is in accordance to what your price and what you're asking for. Yeah. The issue is being ready to be able to have those conversations and being able to back up why you're charging so much. Um, now, if we're talking about, uh, about uh, social media work, you know, like, oh, paid per posts, my price in like accordance to like social media world or whatever should be like maybe like four hundred or five hundred dollars per post. Uh, I charge like anywhere from a thousand to like four thousand a post, and you're probably like, well, how the fuck can you charge that much if you're like your market value is that? Well, I have I show them. I also made a presentation for my Instagram, and I put all my previous clients. I put all of my previous um, um, portfolio. I put um, the fact that I, you know, I do levitation photography, no Photoshop, so it's going to take a lot more work. It's going to be not Photoshop. And then on top of that, I'll be able to say, you know, if the value comes up to it, I'll be able to say, hey, listen, I can show you, I can send you one picture or two more pictures extra or whatever, you know. But A, that got me paid probably 50% to 150, 200% more than a regular rate would be. And second, I was able to fight for that money in an objective way that showcased my value. So it makes sense for the client to be able, you know, like I should pay him a little extra. He's putting in a lot more effort. And also you showcase the value of your followers too. You know, I might not have a million followers, but I have like pretty respectable people within the industry follow me. And so I'm able to be like, Hey, listen, like not regular people, like people who are watching are important people that you think you want your brand to see, you know? And so kind of situating these bullet points across your presentation or across to talk would elevate you into making you know uh what you deserve it's all how you pitch it though man but yeah these this should be like a couple of points. no for sure and thank you for that i'm definitely like <laughs> i'm taking it all in because you know half of it it's like it's stuff that i've told myself that i should have done or that i should do but i haven't done so it's like just hearing it again it's like all right that's it no more no, no more playing games no more games yeah <laughs> No, no, and it's true because it's, and the th- the thing that's the most important of that, and like why um, I feel it's important for like everybody to like understand is that when you work for, first of all, for a client that you want to work for, mm-hmm. and the client wants to work with you, and then you're getting paid the rate that you feel you deserve. There's no way that your work is going to come out bad, because okay. there's no negative energy in there. You're just like, all right, perfect. We have an agreement. Yeah. I'm going to do my art. They're going to love it. Good point, bro. That's such a good point that you brought up. And, and that's, and that's a major thing that I've implemented in all my work now is like, even if I work for a low rate, I have to believe in the client because I want to be able to come in and say, I know I'm working for a long rate, a a short, half my rate or whatever, but I know that the work is valuable to them and me It's making me grow as an artist you know, is making them grow as a company. Like we're all winning from this. And ultimately, hopefully they'll be able to get to a place where they can afford, you know, the full budget. But just be fully conscious that I feel like in, in our generation, we're very afraid to say what we mean. And I think that it's very necessary for us to be able to begin the conversation of, you know what, I'm not happy with this, right? And this is not what my value costs, you know? And there's a couple of, you know, even, even people, 
this this happens with a lot of people who are just starting out in photography and they get a lot of friends that are like yo can you take like instagram photos of me or like headshots like i'll, buy, I'll give you 20 bucks on a coffee or something you should be able to be like listen man like you're my friend my regular rate begins at i don't know a thousand a day or something 600 a day if i'm like beginning but i'll give it to you for 300 you know and lunch you know that is going to equate to me giving you half a rate which is already a fucking crazy discount yeah. you still being able to pay me money that i can survive with money that is you know still good enough for like my time and we, ca- we have a lunch and we catch up, you know? It was both business-oriented as well as it was friends-oriented. And you build that both that bridge together without affecting how you feel and without affecting, you know, breaking your friend's pocket. So I think it's very important for people to learn how to begin a conversation about l- bridging the two bridges, I mean, putting the two bridges together and being able to say, okay, I'm a businessman, I gotta get paid. I'm not gonna charge you everything, but... I want you to still be happy with my product, you know? And then it begins a synergy that you said, no negative vibes, no bad vibes. You're here to do your work and you know you got paid for it. Yeah, no, for sure. Because there's, I mean, and that's one thing that I've really like, at least in the past year, I've been able to work with like, you know, different clients. A lot are just like one-off. Sometimes it's like recurring, but a lot of times like there'll be projects where you're just not feeling it, but obviously you need to pay the bills, right? So you need to pick up a job and usually at the end like of course the the work will still get done because mm-hmm. it's it's you know it's a, it's a professional workplace like it's my job i have to get it done but in the end it's like the process takes that much longer and then the editing takes that much longer and then like the final product and this is like it's like a drag and in the end you're just like i wasted so much energy like it wasn't even <laughs> it wasn't the worth it. Time, you know i completely agree man it's, it's a balance between being able to find the work that you want, or like sometimes, as you said, sometimes you have to deal with clients that you didn't want to work with and everything, but also, you know, ask for money that equates your time and value and your energy. If you know you're getting paid 20K for a gig, it could be the worst gig in the world. You would fucking kill it, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you would kill it because the money's there. So, so it's all about giving and taking and being able to find the balance. So you're happy yeah. and the client's happy. And it's about, and it's about, like you mentioned, keeping it real, making, yeah. having a conversation, you know, and I feel like, it's, it seems like even for me, it's, it's one of like the hardest things, but it's really the thing that makes everything easier. Cause once you walk in there and you're just like, look, I, I really can't do that for 300. Like I, it just, you know, I don't have and the time. It takes more energy. Like I can't, I just can't do it for that. And then they're just like, Oh man, really? So that's low. And then they realize they're like, Oh man. So this actually is worth more. So then they even appreciate you working with them. So, so my regular like company rate right now starts around like, five to 10 K depending on the company. And this does not include like licensing and like big billboard and stuff like that. And so one client came up to me and he was like, dude, like, you know, I want you to be part of this, this vibe, like, like, like with $500 a day work for you. And I was like, no man, you know, but like, you're the homie. I'll like, you're the homie. I see your vision. Let's go for 750, you know, 750 is like still pretty low and like all the deliverables. And, and they're like, no, man, like, I got like 700 photography. Like, you're fucking crazy. That's insane. And I was like, dude, like, I should charge 10K, dude. Yeah. Uh, you need to learn the value of this. Like, good photographs take, take a process and they take a vision, you know. Um, and then after that, you know, we kind of understood and, like, we're still in talks now. But at the end of the day, you need to educate your consumer that your time is fucking worth it. Because if you don't let them know, they're not going to know. And then they're going to go and exploit someone else who doesn't know their value. And they're going to even, you know, make them do for free or something. 
So I think it's a matter of educating everybody. And that's why I'm so open about everything I say. Because everybody's always like, yo, like, you should guard your secrets. This ain't no secret. I, I would love everybody to know this. Because if I can charge 10K, you can charge 10K. That means that if my cl- a client comes to me, they're going to be able to know that a cl- someone at this caliber costs that price. Because everybody else is charging that. Yep. But if we can educate everybody else and we don't let them know their prices, then it's just going to get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper as more photographers enter the arena. You know, if you want to come in for the money, amazing. But like, just know that that taking jobs for the low is not good for you nor good for anybody else. Yeah. No, no. That's a, thank you so much for mentioning that too, because it's like you mentioned, if more people are taking in actually big jobs for a small rate, then we have no choice. We can't charge as much. But if everybody's like starting cap is like a G, then it's like, okay, if a beginner is charging, you know, a G for this. So that means like people who actually put in work are worth 10 K, 20 K. And then it, you know, it makes sense because they're like, I'm not going to pay one K to a beginner. I might as well just grab, you know, the person who's going to do it right and give them five K. So it's like, it just, yeah. like you mentioned, it helps build the, the community. The whole, the whole standard of pricing for photographers, you know, we've always been very shy because I feel like creatives tend to be more on like the, uh, you know, especially photographers, it tend to be more like the low key perspective. Like we don't like to talk about business, you know, like whatever. But at the end of the day, like your business determines like your value in life as a, as your, as a, you know, as a producer of, of your work. And if you start charging like $500, it adds up, bro. It adds up and you're losing thousands dollars. Yeah, I know for sure. And then so going off that, there was one thing that I was thinking about, oh man, it went off. Anyways, but <laughs> we're basically off the same, like, uh, you know, the same tangent is just like, is knowing your worth. And a lot of times, like you, yeah, you really lose out a lot because the time it takes, the energy it takes, the hours it takes, like when you calculate it at the end, it's, it's really a lot. Like you lose out, like, even like you mentioned, Oh, like, Oh, just take a, you know, some pictures of me and some coffee and I'll give you 20 bucks. Like 20 bucks is gone in gas. Like I'm done. I'm doing this for free at this point. Like, like setting up to shoot getting to the location, then editing, then emailing them and putting them up in Dropbox, which also costs money, you know, uh, your computer hard drive that also costs money, you know, your time editing. So all these elements, your Adobe suite, you know, like the fucking 40 bucks a month, that should also cost money. So a lot of people think that it's just come in and take a nice picture. Also your creativity, you know, how did you learn to take the pictures? You took time on YouTube or you took a course or you paid somebody to teach you. You know, your lenses, they don't come free either. They're worth, you know, the good ones are worth 1500 bucks and up. The cameras are worth 3500 bucks. you know? Like, so you need to understand there's every penny you put in the business needs to be paid back forward because you're working, you know, you're making money of it now. That's your investment. And as a business person, as a business, everything you make should make double, triple, quadruple the amount, you know? So it is up to you to charge that. So it's not even that you're being unfair by charging 300, 400, 500 bucks. Like you're just being like, that's lowballing, bro. You should be charging like 700, 800 bucks, especially in New York and the, uh, the related oh, areas. Sure. Like the cost of this shit is heavy. You know, the cost of living is crazy. So you need to understand the price also needs to equate that. Yeah. No, no. And that's, so, that's the one thing that I remember what I was going to say is that I feel, you know, even as a creative, like we won't charge as much because to us, that creative work comes easy because we've put in the hours and the time. So it's like for you to, you know, for you to, to crush a project, like you already know, okay, what lighting I need, you know, what time of day, what colors, like all that is already running through. So you just go in and get out and you just do it. 
But if you were to try to give that to somebody else, it'll take them a whole year to try to figure out what you're doing. Yeah, you know, so I feel like because it's easy for me, it's like, well, I'm, I'm not really doing much work, but it's because yes, this is what yeah. I do. Like, this is what I, you know, I'm good at, yeah. but they will never be able to do it. Uh, <laughs> the Picasso in a napkin story where like someone meets Picasso at a bar or at a restaurant and then they're like, yo, like you're Picasso. So they give him a napkin and he draws on it and he's like, here, it'll be $10,000. And she's like, what the hell? It just took you a second to draw it. And he's like, it took me a second to draw it, but it took me a lifetime to learn this. Yes. And that's exactly the same way we should look at all of our work. So at the end of the day, like the, the photos that you were taking, like these are my babies, you know, like, like, I don't want to give them off for free or like give them off like it's nothing. It took me hard work to develop this shit. It like took me forever to master the levitation shit. You know, it took me forever to get that into the into the footwear industry. And like, like it should be, you know, work that should reflect your worth as an artist. So I think that it should equate to, you know, hard, hard work pays off, man. But I think it's just like persistency of selling yourself at that level too. Because there's a lot of people that work stupid hard, but then they don't know, or they're a bit shy when it comes to pricing. And so it's up to you to kind of, you know, package yourself, as I said, very well so that you don't have to go and sell yourself hard because everything else speaks for it. You know, your work speaks for it, your portfolio speaks for it, your website speaks for it. That's going to already make you sale so much easier. For sure. No, no, and that's, and I think it's just, it's a starting point. It's, it's really going into that first client and really like laying down the numbers and asking for, you know, what you want. And I think once that first one gets out, then the next one is just going to be easier and easier. Because you already know. Yeah, and, and the conversation is always a two-way street, right? You never know what the client wants. You never, so you need to find out what their expectations are and what their long-term vision is too. Because sometimes there's been clients that I'm like, hey, listen, bro, like, it looks like you guys have like very little budget right this time. But fine, let's do something for that. I'm going to do this, this, and that. But rest assured that the second campaign comes out and I would like to shoot that one too at like a regular rate or something, you know, so try to find different ways of situating you as a business person so that it helps them, but then it also comes back to you or, or other way around, you know, you want to be able to mediate situations so that no one is at a loss and everybody wins. It's, I've always been a win, win, win kind of guy. And I feel like that's, that's the base way to go. You know, your clients don't want to see themselves being overcharged by you or under delivered by you. You always want to over deliver and you always want to let them know that like you're here with them. At the end of the day, you're building something with them. You're a team at that time. So you need to yeah. treat them and being able to give them as much of you as you can for that specific right. For sure. Yeah. And I think that that win-win attitude is always the best because it, once they see the value and they see that they're also winning, it's like, it's not just them giving money away. Yeah. It's a whole investment that's going to come back. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So then also one thing I wanted to ask is, um, so who are your, or what are your inspirations when you do your work? Like who do you look up to? Well, you know, <laughs> like where do you go when you're in a slump? Definitely 13th Witness. I mean, he was the only one doing iPhone only photography. Um, you know, then as we got into to more photography, photography, it didn't really hit me why I started levitation until one day I was like looking through my archives and I saw this like cost commercial of like this dude levitating. And it was like from way back, it was like from 2006 when I was still doing opera. And, and I remember like looking at that and I was like, yo, that shit is so dope. And it was all Photoshop levitation and all that, but it was cool seeing it. And so it kind of came back around and that kind of became one of my inspirations, but that was only like levitation only like with people. Um, but to be honest with you, man, I think that the biggest inspiration for me have been music and, and perhaps even movies. 
uh, oh, like this, like the Christopher Nolan and all those, like the Batmans and all those, like the beautiful blues and like the beautiful, like, you know, like angles and, and all those tones and the architecture are always like, and not dope, uh, inspirational to me. And then for music, I love classical music. Uh, I think that it's, um, I mean, I studied it. And so in school, you learn how to read through the music and kind of find the, the, the story making of the music and the melodies and how it goes from, you know, from this note to that note and what, what it takes to compose it. And you talk about the colors and the melody. And so when I started taking photography, I kind of translated everything I learned in music with the colors, you know, blue being sad and melodic and minor and then yellow being happy and, you know, like, you know, upbeat and all that. And so when you translate that into photography, it's kind of the same thing. You're able to compose uh, an image and kind of color it to the specific mood that you, were, you wanted. Wow. You know, images that like have been, you know, yellowish, which I think it has you know, either like I'm shooting a campaign for spring, summer. We just started a campaign for Alpha Industries spring, summer. And all I had to do was kind of like tint it a little bit on the yellow side because it was spring, summer and it was fucking freezing when we shot it, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you're able to kind of compose the view. So I've always been more of a storyteller when it comes to colors. And then when Levitation came up, I mean, you know, it really came out of, out of uh, finding a different way to change the game with Levitation. I had already started the people jumping, but like it became bland and it became something that everybody was doing. I was like, how can we up it? And so that's when like I began the, foot, the, like the thing, the, the hand. And then mm -hmm. when I did the hand one for a while, and then after the hand one, I got bored of it. And then that's when I decided to do the no hand, which the ones that are in back of it. Uh, so it's like just, just product alone. And then I guess that translated very well for commercial photography. So I guess I'm lucky. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's been like my, my journey. I think my inspiration definitely stemmed from, from classical and, and Kanye, you know. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> definitely. I'm a big, big fan of Kanye. The whole Rockefeller movement, you know. Um, yeah, it's just staying real to myself. I feel like building a new hustle, building a new way. I feel like we are the, we're living through a renaissance. I've said this for fucking four years now. Everybody was like, oh, I don't know about this shit. But like, I've said this, like now look at us talking about yeah. everything, talking about bridging the gaps and talking about, you know, entering a, in, a, in a state of massive creativity. Everybody's going through this and it's great. You know, so I think that, I think that, you know, they, they started it all. So I, I got to give thanks to the gods out there. Yeah, for sure. No, no. And thank you for sharing that. Cause that's, you know, it's, it's great. I would never thought that you got your inspiration from like music, but now that how you mentioned it, it's like, it's true. Even every, every picture can paint a whole different story just by how you, how you color it and how you grade it. And, thank you, man. and Gion, one thing is like for levitation is, um, so in music, you begin with the do, the original note, and then you end with the do. Right, but in order between between the beginning of the song and the end of the song, even though they both end the same note, they both go through many melodic movements. And the most successful songs are just like, or like the way people write songs, is that by the seventy fourth percent of the song, there's this climax in there, and like you hear the bridge, you know, like everybody's like, oh, that's like my favorite song, or like my favorite part of the song tends to be like seventy five percent in, mm. and that's where like it's completely out of sync with the original dough and you're just out here feeling vibes. And I feel like for levitation, one of my main things was like, how do I throw it up in a way that it's just like specifically there at the climax of the, of the jumping so that it tells like the climax of the story, but you have no beginning and you have no end. You know? And then when you look at, that's why I guess it, it makes it so appealing to the, to the viewer is like, 
how did that happen? Exactly. And all these questions arise from the fact that there's no state of story that it's a story literally frozen in time that you don't know where it had beginning or where it's going to end. You know, and I think that that's, that's something that I've, I've, I've played around with my work and more and more I see it being the main structure. Like, what am I going to tell, you know, even if it's, you know, with like, something with this cup or something like how am i going to tell this story that is just at that specific moment at the most hype that it could ever be in that specific jump like, how do we get that yeah, yeah. that's dope now now even i'm looking at it, i'm like man it's true because <laughs> you really can't tell like a lot of times if it's if it was thrown up if it's falling like, like when they levitate it's just like they throw it off the shoe could be like sideways you can barely see the shoe or like the background is like a regular whatever so I think that you need to frame it right. You need to find, compose the background first. The background's gonna tell you a lot. Then find different elements. For example, this one right here is like, you know, with the water in the background and then there's like water falling down the shoe. Like this one is like with the Jordan right below. Oh yeah, I was gonna mention that one. The Jordan you know, one, how, how it has the, the lettering. You know, uh, thanks much, Jay. But you know, like different elements to tell the story. And then this one right here, all the lines go to the shoe. You know, so like, how do you capture specifically when it just falls right there into the shoe? So like little things like that, that like people just normally like bypass, I think are very important to me. It's like, as a filmmaker, you know, your whole job is to, to tell a story through the film. As a photographer, your whole job is to tell a whole story in one fucking frame. Yeah, which is, oh. <laughs> which is not easy at all. <laughs> a little hard sometimes. <laughs> but that's dope, man. It, I'm getting all the... All the nuggets. I'm just, I'm just taking it all in. Oh, um, I'm it all, man. There's, there's no, there's no reason in, in hiding shit. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm really, I'm, like I said from the beginning. Thank you so much because I feel like your perspective. You know, being in the industry, it's, it's definitely a place where a lot of people also want to reach, but then you also keep it to such a like connected level with the whole community. So, you know, you're bridging like, you're helping everybody who's in between, just kind of like close that gap and 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 get to that you know that point in their work um so i guess i I really want to close off with like what would be if there was that one 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 piece of information that you just wish people could either implement or you want to see more of or you think it's going to be like if there's one thing that they can take away like what would be that one bit of information oh I think a lot of these things that I said I have truly come from like experience, both like in, like successful experiences, but like I think most of them have come from very like fucked up experiences of either like getting shortcut in deals or finding out that the budget was like forty thousand dollars and what they told me about and like I got shortcutted like by a crazy amount or like you know being like just 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 stories you know. So I think that the one thing that I would say is is. Uh, Work on your self-value a lot more as creatives. And I know that that's like very bland, but it goes way deeper than just like knowing your price. It just goes up to, to who you really are as a person, who you really are as an artist, what your art is truly valued at. Because I think that we all tell each other lies, bro. Everybody, you know, you've seen friends who like did not put in the best work and like you go and like you tell them like, oh, it's all right. Like it wasn't all right. You know, and like 2019 is my year to be able to tell everybody, you know what? I'm gonna be real with you. And I'm gonna be able to tell you why in an objective manner. So it doesn't hurt you, but it pushes you to get to the place that you should be getting at. 
And it has nothing to do with negative energy. It has nothing to do with ego. It has nothing to say that I'm better or you're worse or you're, or you're better and I'm worse. It has something to do with living a reality, living in a situation in which we can have a conversation that can grow and that can make you grow as an artist and as a person and it can make me grow as an artist and as a person. Because if I grow as a person, I'm going to be a better artist. And so will you. You know, so I think that learning your value as a person is going to help you create value as an artist and it's going to help you create a value as a friend, as a brother, as a, as a kid, you know, as a son, uh, uh, and just as a human being in this life, man. You know, so I know it's very deep and all of a sudden, like, it has nothing to do with creativity, but, but I think it has everything to do with creativity, you know, because like, how you feel about yourself will tell a lot uh, in your art and you'll be able to tell, you know, you can tell a lot of, you can tell a lot of, uh, I would say, vibes from people. You know, when people are self-doubt, I mean, when people self-doubt themselves through the gram, you know, when people are, are looking for fame through the gram because they have no, you know, not, like, no one that tells them how beautiful they are without, you know, certain things, you know, just them as people. And I think that it's important for, for us as creatives to be able to translate that in our work, but also translate it to ourselves because it's going to come back. It's, it's all a full circle. And I think that learning your value, both as a person, is going to help you create, yeah, create value in your art. And then it's a win-win-win for all of us, man. No, definitely. That's a that's a hundred percent. Like I resonate with that a lot because, you know, like I mentioned, it's about the creator, the person behind the work. You know, the if that work would never come out if that person didn't exist, if that person didn't go through certain struggles, didn't build themselves up as you know who they are. So that's. And, and now that you said that too, like another aspect is like appreciate the struggles, bro. And like, I mean this with all sincerity, like I will not be the person I am today with like all the brands that I've worked with today if I didn't appreciate the struggles or I didn't live through the struggles. So just know that if you're in a struggle position right now, like it's okay. It has nothing to do with your artistry, but it has everything to do with how you view yourself. How are you gonna get yourself out of that struggle? It's gonna prove to you how strong and how bad do you really want this? You know, if you don't want it, there's a hundred thousand people right there, right behind you who wanted more than you. So it's up to you to prove yourself that you can do this shit too. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, the, the struggles are, are will make, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's the best part of the stories. Yeah, man. Nobody, if you don't have a struggle. That comment is crazy. Yeah, man. But thank you. Thank you so much for having me out here. Thank you for everybody who's listening. Um, you know, I'm, I'm truly appreciative of everything honestly no bro again thank you and then um just to close off like where if people want to keep up with you find out what's what's new what's the best place to find you i am uh eric hercules e-r-i-c-k so it's both c and a k uh, eric hercules uh both on, on all social media i think so yeah find me on the google man i'm out here you know, if help. i might be a little late to answer lately like been a bunch of emails but uh <laughs> But yeah, man, I'm out here. Uh, hit me up. Appreciate you, man. Dope, dope. No, brother, thank you so much. And um, so just to close off again, Eric Hercules, thank you so much for being on the show. And like I always say to everybody listening, each and every one of you is a super creator. You just have to find your superpower. And with that, we'll finish this episode. Until next time.